0: Hello, and welcome to episode 131 of The Winning Agenda. My name is Jesse Marshall, and joining me as always is my lovable bi sidekick and or overlord, Wilfred E. Horig. How are you, Wilfie?
1: Um, I can't help but notice that my full title has not been, or my full, um, titles Intro. even. My, my, yeah. f- my number of titles have not been mentioned.
0: Okay, just give me a moment.
1: Maybe we'll, uh... Alternate week by week. Yeah, so we've got to keep people guessing. So the listeners don't think that I have a massive ego.
0: No. Uh, but just in case you missed it last week, uh, joining me tonight is two-time Magic the Gathering Pro Tour competitor, two-time regional champion, three-time store champion, 2016 Australian national champion, 2016 World's Top 16 competitor, and eight-time Haas Road Employee of the Month, Wilfred Ehorig. How are you, Nine-time now, thank you. Sorry, nine-time now.
1: <laughs> Try and keep... Uh, your sources current
0: i'd better amend my uh my intro script there we go all right nine time hard employee of the month wilfred e Harrig. uh so what did you do in the last month to, to win yet another prestigious employee of the month title
1: yeah that's a very good question so a couple of things um, first of all, I engineered the new line of Byroids that we'll be releasing sometime in 2020. Oh, um, stay tuned for the previews. I um decide I made the suggestion for Haas Biroids' weekly lunch um, menu. Oh, um, so that was my design. If you ever stop off to the Ruhr Valley office, then you'll find my culinary expertise on on show there are you able and, to give us
0: any previews as to what we might find
1: um unfortunately it's a you'll need a ultraviolet level clearance for that uh, uh, we're very serious about security
0: fair enough
1: um and the and also my uh card previews I think that they uh, find my superiors finally took notice of the good work we've been doing each week on the winning agenda and they decided that Rightfully so, I should be rewarded
0: Oh, that's so nice Well, congratulations on yet another accolade Uh, And speaking of card previews We're actually going to be previewing the Blood and Water Pack tonight Isn't that exciting? It is incredible,
1: truly incredible
0: Both exciting, incredible, and also convenient And I said both and then said three things Which is always a good way to go Uh, But tonight we're going to be talking about the What would you say, the the good guys in the pack? The runners? The runners, definitely Definitely Mm. the runners Yep uh, definitely
1: the good guys, or...? Mm, I think my... Like, now that we know that the Haas Byroid um, higher-ups do listen to our podcast, maybe we should be careful.
0: True. Uh, so we'll we'll skip over that, no comment, and we'll just move straight on to Alice Merchant, Clan Agitator, who may be a good guy, in inverted commas, or, or may not. Uh, and we're using guy there in the very American, very inclusive way not in the rather restrictive sexist way that it's used elsewhere um alice merchant clan agitator identity cyborg the first time you make a successful run on archives each turn the corp must trash one card from hq 50 minimum deck size 15 influence and zero link how does alice compare to the existing archives threats for example omar or noise wilfie so i think
1: anarch has quite a wealth of identities that now do kind of similar ish things at similar ish power levels. Like, I think compared, I was thinking about it earlier this week, compared to Criminal or Shaper, for your generic Anarch deck, you have a lot more choices in what identity you want to play just because Anarch have so many good cards that don't necessarily restrict you into playing a certain identity for them to be good. Mm. So, Alice, I think, is. Definitely comparable to Noise, especially in lower virus count decks. Like, I think the Noise with 20 or so viruses is a bit different to the regular Anarch style, so I won't talk about that too much, but um, I think Alice does provide some reason for your... Like, we can class Alice as being one of the cards that provides good reason for your opponent to Ice Archives in the early to medium game. So Omar and Noise, I think, are the two other Anarchy identities that most closely share that. Mm -hmm. And I think if we're going to talk about how she compares, the fact that you can sort of trade one of your clicks for one of the corpse cards is good, if that was the only thing that she did. But there's sort of a draw, trade-off to that in that you're not always going to be able to get into archives to use her ability and if you're choosing to get into archives I think this is the most relevant point in my opinion is that if you're choosing to get into archives with Alice Merchant it means most of the time you're not doing anything else with your actions it's not like an incidental bonus because I think of the four servers that you're or going to access in a game like you know the three centrals and remotes archives is the one that's least likely to get you points you know in on average over a game obviously if you're playing alice merchant in your deck this changes but it's sort of like for alice to be good i feel like more than the other identities like noise and Omar that do similar-ish things you want additional ways to make running archives good
0: yeah uh- that, that is definitely true. And with things like Data Sucker, it, it gets a lot better. But I, one thing I think I underestimated when I first looked at Alice was how important the disruption is. It's not just an as- access. You know, accessing a card from R&D, an extra card from R&D, for example, um, whenever you ran, ran archives would be a nice bonus. But I don't think even though that's more random and the corp has a little less control over it, I don't think that would be as good as this ability is just because this is so disruptive to so many corp game plans. Uh, You know, removing a card from the corp's hand, not only lets you access it. um, And with Alice, you know, you access it straight away because they're discarding it into archives and you're about to access archives. um, But it also removes it from their hand and means that they don't get to use it, which is much more disruptive than an ordinary access.
1: Yeah, so that's definitely true. But I will say, as like that sort of brings her into perspective compared to the other two identities that we're talking about, because she's like looking at her that way. She's sort of like an Omar that trades being able to run on R&D, which is powerful, and you know, with some other considerations there. But she's an Omar where you can't run on. R and D, and you get the worst card from HQ, but they discard the card in addition. Yeah, right. So they're much. You're much less likely to access an agenda with Alice, but the fact that they lose a card makes that trade off a lot different than it would be otherwise.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so if you've got yeah. any other ways to either disrupt, well, if you've got ways to do two things, disrupt their hand in, with other cards, or and or um get more value from running archives, Alice gets a lot better since those are the two things that she does.
1: Yes. um, But I think the main, or one of the main considerations that we haven't talked about is just how variable, or like, not necessarily how variable, but the fact that since Anarchs have all these identities that do sort of similar-ish things, like some are good in some situations, others are good in others, and they don't necessarily require you to have huge deck building restrictions to make use of them like i'm thinking null wizard um omar and quetzal or valencia are all like that to some extent mm-hmm. so it sort of makes me think what does an alice deck look like to make alice the best identity for that sort of strategy and i'm not sure that I've quite worked that out yet. Like, what sort of things do you want to do in your Anarch, in your Alice deck compared to other Anarch decks? Given how flexible the Anarch good cards are to your identity, like,
0: well, you're getting more on your identity, right? And you, you put more in your Wizard deck, the card more, yeah, yeah. You put yeah. more in your Wizard deck to do a particular thing. So if you play Alice instead, perhaps you're not as good as dealing with assets because you haven't got the wizard ability but you also have a console slot that you can use to do something else
1: right but do you think that alice actually goes well with more like i would say that more is natural for alice just because it means you can get multiple like more sort of builds upon itself right the more times you get (laughs) this sentence is getting very confusing but the more times you get to more in a turn the better it is
0: yes right yep Uh, Um, But also I think mooring once a turn is often enough. Oh God,
1: (laughs) this is really, (laughs) this is quickly getting out of
0: hand. Um, In the sense that uh, when I put more in a wizard deck and I play it, aside from the six credit cost, it feels pretty great. And rarely am I like, oh, this isn't doing enough on its own. I wish I could do it three times. Like, obviously you wish you could do it more, but it's still impactful enough on its own, I guess is what I'm saying. And so I think if you are doing it once a turn with Alice, it can be really impactful and free up that slot in your deck to do something else. And it also means you have it online from the start of the game. It means that you can do it on turn one. It doesn't cost you six credits to get online, et cetera, et cetera. So it's got its benefits and its downsides. Like the obvious downside compared to more is that it's harder to trigger once they um, protect archives.
1: Yes, and that it's not random. I think those are both fairly significant. Yep. Um, But what, if we had to conclude something about Alice, since our viewers presumably like conclusions, I don't know if anyone has told us one way or the other, but Mm. what do you think you would say?
0: I think I'd say that it's another Anarch identity that has the ability of an action card slot in your deck, which I like. So a lot of the Crim IDs and a lot of the Shaper IDs don't have action card Abilities, they have economy card abilities or something else. Um, things like Leela are rare, are exceptions to that, or perhaps something like Kit. And there's a reason that those have been really popular with deck builders because they are examples in those factions of things that give you action from turn one and replace the slots or, or free up slots in your deck that you would otherwise have to dedicate to action cards. Uh, and I think Alice, I see in a similar vein. So you will have to spend more of your deck slots potentially. Putting economy in and having ways to deal with asset spam, etc. But the power of having an action card always available to you every turn is kind of cool.
1: Yep, I think that's a fairly good summation of the points that we have talked about.
0: Great. Uh, the next card in the pack is now. How am I going to pronounce this, Wilfy? Um, Jarognev, Jarogniew. I don't know. Anyway um i'm sure our dear listeners can can correct me this is most likely knowing this is a daemon design it's most likely a reference and i most likely don't know what it's a reference to almost assuredly someone who does please correct me but anyway the mercs uh so when you install the mercs take one tag place three power counters on the mercs and take one and one additional power counter for each tag you have when there are no power counters left on the mercs trash it the corp cannot trash it while there is another resource installed and you can spend one of the hosted power counters to prevent a meat damage. And it's a zero to install resource that's a clan connection. So we'll we'll take that step by step because it's a little bit convoluted. So you get a tag when you install it, you put three power counters on it and you get one additional for each tag you have. So it always has four. If you have tags before this is installed, it has four plus one for each each other tag you have. Uh, when there are no power counters left on it, you trash it and you can use post- hosted power counters to prevent meat damage. So it's effectively a Plaskrete that's a resource, um, but it can be can prevent more than four because it can have more than four power counters on it. But it can also be trashed like a resource if you don't have other resources installed.
1: Yeah, so I sort of see this card as being a slightly different paparazzi mm-hmm. um, in the sense that it can't prevent net damage, which... I mean, I'm sure Papy Marathi has been used to save someone from lethal net damage in the past, but I can't imagine it happens very often. Um, and it also gives you one tag as opposed to a variable number of tags, which means that it, it's a bit more flexible in that you don't necessarily have to play it when you're perma-tagged. You can just play it and then remove... You, if you want, you can just play it and then remove a tag. Naturally, which is not that much less efficient than playing Plastic read. No. But uh, in the paparazzi-like use, where you play it when you have lots of tags and probably lots of resources, just because paparazzi has been best in Net Pavilion decks, and I expect that to continue with this card, it, I think, is usually better, but sometimes worse. Like, it definitely has a bit more of a cap on the amount of damage it can prevent which definitely can be relevant but it's not as easy to trash as paparazzi if meat damage is your opponent's primary way of killing you. So I think in general it's a bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, although it is, it does seem like it has a lot of text that doesn't really, like, for what it does, it seems like it has a lot of text, so I'm wondering if I'm missing something.
0: Uh, it doesn't... It has inbuilt resilience to the all-seeing eye, I guess, is relevant in that sort of deck.
1: Uh, yeah, that's true. But it also gives you... no, I'm not sure. Yeah, like, uh, it seems fairly... It seems like in most cases that you would play Paparazzi in the past, you'd probably play this card. And post-rotation, s-
0: yep. most times you'd play Plascrete in the past, you'd play this card, I think. In... In, hour, in Faction?
1: Yeah. Uh, maybe. Like, there still are lots of Siphon decks that don't necessarily play any other resources aside from this, right? or any other resources that you expect to stick around.
0: So yeah, it's but not... in a regular deck, I wouldn't mind playing this and just replacing Plascrete with it. Like you said, the cost is broadly similar. That's true. For pretty much I exactly the same like,
1: effect. Yeah. Mm, I feel like... If they can tag you, it is going to be worse. Like, in the situations where... Like, of course, post-rotation, this, yeah, this is a replacement. But I think now, a lot of the time being a resource, even with the protection, is still not as good against decks that are going to try and tag you?
0: Hmm. I kind of like the protection, the inbuilt protection, in the sense that it sort of places this halfway between a resource and a hardware. Mm -hmm. It's like, I think, an interesting design decision to give this a little more resilience than resources ordinarily have while still demanding a little bit of you from a deck building perspective if you want to give it that protection
1: yeah like the fact that it's a resource that interacts with tags in some way is interesting just because you know there's the inbuilt discord there between wanting to play lots of resources and also wanting to have lots of tags and to minimize the effectiveness of giving yourself tags you want or to you know minimize the downside of giving yourself tags you want to play minimal resources so yeah i think it's reasonably powered and fairly interesting i think
0: cool the next card in the pack is maui it's a hardware console criminal card five to install two influence it gives you two additional memory and it has x recurring credits on it it says use these credits during runs on hq x is the number of pieces of ice protecting hq Uh, what do you think of this? I mean, it seems kind of decent. It's like there are lots of criminal identities now that give you rewards for running HQ. It gives you two memory. Five is pretty steep for a console that doesn't, that is an economy card, I suppose, rather than going back to the distinction I was drawing with Alice being an action console, which are the ones that have sort of done a lot. More Something that
1: doesn't necessarily give you accesses. When I look at this card, I think of it like... It's like the gauntlet, except... Instead of giving you accesses, it gives you credits. Like, it's a fair bit more flexible compared to the gauntlet. Because the ice doesn't have to be red, so you don't need to break all the subroutines. But, like, that's such a bad trade-off. Getting a credit rather than uh, an access, right? Hmm. Like, I feel like most of the time you'd rather... Yeah. Even if it is harder to get, you'd rather the access, um, even, you know, regardless of how strong it is to get some credits during the run, getting that many accesses is almost all the time going to be better just because of how much more difficult it is to get multiple accesses mm. in a game of Netrunner compared to cards.
0: Yeah, I think so. And the... I mean, it's basically pheromones on a console... And it's not like Pheromones is the sort of effect that we really have been waiting to see more in the game. Uh, yeah. Although, compared to Pheromones, it
1: is a bit different because it gives you... It sort of recoups the investment you spend on it clo- sooner. It's not like you have to run HQ a bunch. Pheromones is a bit win more, where you have to run HQ a bunch before it becomes good to run HQ. But playing Again,
0: Pheromones on turn one can get pretty out of hand. Oh, sure.
1: So in that sense, these cards are a bit different because this doesn't really snowball like Pheromones does, but also can't, they can't really lock you out. It just gives you a bit of a bonus every turn. I'm pretty sure that's not... I mean, that's what Desperado does. It also gives you a bit of a bonus every turn if you want to look at it like that, but I think compared to the other criminal consoles, the numbers on this are just too bad.
0: Yeah, and it's the flexibility of Desperado that makes it so desirable plus the cost being too less. Um, But, yeah, the fact that this only works on those runs on HQ, yes, if you're playing one of the action identities, like Leela or, I guess, Steve Cambridge in some ways, though Steve's more of a resource identity, um, then this can be useful, but it's just so limited in the effect. And like you said, the gauntlet giving you accesses is so much more impactful uh, in terms of how it changes the dynamic of those runs on HQ that presumably you're going to be making anyway. I think this giving you perhaps a couple of credits each time just really isn't enough of a price, uh, sorry, isn't enough of a benefit for the price of the opportunity costs in terms of criminal consoles.
1: I agree.
0: Uh, bug Out Bag is the next card in the pack. It's a, an X cost resource. Possibly the first X cost reason. No, we had Angel Arena. No, think, Forget that. Yep. yep. All right. No, uh, sure. Place X counters on bug out bag when you install it. If you have no cards in your grip at the end of turn, draw one card, end of your turn, sorry, draw one card for each counter on bug out bag, then trash it. Um, so the question is, if you place advancement counters on bug out bag using Tenon Institute, and then the runner oh, trashes on. it, do you draw cards for the advancement counters on it?
1: Well, you mean if you trash it to the ability, right? Yeah, yeah. Because you don't... Yeah. 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 Um, I'm going to have to wait for that to be ruled in the UFAC, but apart from that, I think that this is this very strange combo card, and the only thing I can think of to make it work is with Bag Biter.
0: And is that because like it I... has Bag in the name?
1: Uh... That's a good guess, but no. It's because Bagbiter's drawback is that it reduces you to zero credits, right? So you can sort of use the credits that you would. You you can safely amass credits before you get Bagbiter with this. Yep. And then dump the credits into this and then play Bagbiter and, you know, get yourself back Draw up a to a couple cards. credits. Yep. And then. Oh, yeah, I mean, you don't have to do, like, all that immediately, but in that sort of deck where you want to, like,. Amass a massive, huge hand size, Faust, etc. Um, and but you also need to be able to get a benefit out of cards that you get at the end of your turn, like as opposed to Bookmark, where you can get them whenever you want. Basically, you mm. need back by the right yeah. or something like that. I'm not really sure.
0: <laughs> yeah, it could work in those decks. I think it also has some potential, just as a criminal draw engine. Um, where you're playing a really aggressive deck and you want to have protection on the corpse turn. Uh, It can also work if you think your opponent is playing a kill deck that tries to kill you on their turn and you have often that gets telegraphed to you a turn in advance. So for instance, if they have to tag you on one turn and then try and kill you the following turn, then you mm. can like say with hard hitting news, then you can mm-hmm. trigger your bug out bag on the turn in between and keep seven cards in hand. So they can right. kind of boom you, the that sort of thing.
1: The problem is then that you have to go from you always have to be in a state where you can drop down to zero cards in hand, which is pretty hard, it, like if you're not if you don't have like Severnia Stim implant or whatever. Like it doesn't happen super often that you just get to naturally play all the cards in
0: your hand. Hmm. And potentially also pay seven to install this for seven. Yeah, that's Yeah,
1: not... and I mean sort of cards like this where you don't you're sort of waiting for a contingency, but you're also you also have to pay up front. Yeah. Makes it seem a bit um difficult for me to imagine it in non combo applications
0: sure i think the the fact that crims often have more money than cards is what's making me think that maybe being able to turn money to cards is at a rate of one-to-one may be worth looking at but yeah i think it's awkward enough that it's pretty hard to slot
1: yeah i think so too i mean it's not the case that crim like crim definitely has the worst draw options but i don't think that they need to necessarily stoop so low as to play a card where you have to pay like five six or seven now and then only get the benefit at a certain point in time that might take work to trigger in itself.
0: Yeah. That's a lot. It's asking a lot. The next card in the pack is Keros McIntyre. It's a unique resource connection, another criminal card. Install two, influence three. It says the first time you derez a piece of ice each turn, gain two credits. So we've seen a lot more D-Res tools lately, Wilfie. It was emergency shutdown out there on its own for a while, but now you've got a brute force hack uh, and some other options as well. So how, how do you think this is going to stack up?
1: Yeah, it feels like every pack we talk about a new um, D-Resing option. So mm. I guess in the D-Res deck that we always talk about, that's, sort of go- that's the runner version of the brain damage deck, I think.
0: <laughs> a stack attack?
1: Sorry, no, the D-Resing deck. Yeah, it's a, sorry, it's the run
0: of version of Brain Damage. True, true. Yeah, yeah.
1: Or Stack Attack um, is
0: the other alternative.
1: Yeah, but st- <laughs> Stack Attack sort of died, you know, we mentioned it, then it died for a while, then it had a, like, glorious resurgence or whatever. I don't feel like we really... We mention it as often as we do those other two. No, that's true. Um, but in terms of this card, I mean, I suppose it does if you have an actual derezzed deck, then it is a fairly reasonable economy card but then I'm thinking with the derez tools that we currently have gaining credits after you derez things isn't really the way to cement the advantage that you get from derezing something I think Mm. Um, unless you can, like, you can't even stack multiple of this, but unless you can get this and some drip economy and then you can constantly derez something with like a bird breaker, but that just seems like this card, the derezzing isn't really what's pushing you ahead in that circumstance
0: Yeah, it does seem a little awkward, especially it's unique so you can't stack them um, Yeah, the fact that brute force hack costs money up front and generally these sorts of decks want to be awash with money before they start de-raising stuff so that yeah. they're really far ahead of the corp. it's pretty awkward
1: Yeah, I would agree
0: all right, I think we might leave Keros there. Uh, the next card in the pack is Daredevil. It's the first Shaper card. It's a unique console, five to install. gives you two memory. The first time you initiate a run on a server protected by two or more pieces of ice each turn, draw two cards. Really interesting one. Uh, really often in a game, there's going to be at least two pieces of ice on one server. You know, The corp will decide what they think the most important server to protect is in the in the early game or mid game is, and you'll often see, particularly against Shaper, two ice on R&D or two ice on a remote. Having to run that server to get the benefit makes it a bit awkward because you often wanna draw cards before you initiate runs because the gi- cards give you information about your options and then runs are usually, for me anyway, against most decks, something I wanna do later on once I've assessed my options um, particularly in terms of cards in hand, which often are going to be icebreakers or money, both of which are things you want before you initiate a run. So yes, this may help you find your icebreakers or your money or your whatever else for next turn. Uh, but I think you could get into a lot of awkward situations where you want this effect before you actually initiate the run, particularly when you're dealing with spikier ice
1: yeah I feel like that as well. I mean, I know the whole point of the card is to give some fairly large benefit at some fairly inconvenient time. That's why it's you know I guess costed the same as Ubax but gives you twice as many cards because it gives you to them at much a much worse time. But I feel like if you're gonna play something like Ubax, where you are paying a lot up front in order to give yourself a steady drip of cards over the game, it's because you really need to set up and make the game go long and it doesn't really it's not really the sort of deck that wants to run even against like only two ice where you might be able to get in you still want to limit the number of turns that you have to run Mm -hmm. just because of how much it costs to, imi- like, how much of a tempo loss it is to install a card like this that doesn't do anything but help you set up.
0: Yeah, and really, like, comparing it to Ubax, are you going to be running on 2i servers every single turn? Probably not. Like, no, maybe-
1: definitely not in, like, in the sort of situations where I want Ubax to be good, which is, like, on turn 1 or on turn 2, ideally, right? Yep. So, yeah, yeah. I think that's a bit...
0: I think it's pretty hard to make this work and it is a bit disappointing to see two Shaper consoles that do such similar things when there are so many Shaper cards that already do this. So it would be nice to see a bit more action in Shaper consoles, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, the next card in the pack is Mass Driver. It's a an eight to install, two memory, I, program icebreaker decoder, another Shaper card. Whenever you use Mass Driver to break all subroutines on a piece of ice during a single encounter, the first three subroutines on the next piece of ice you encounter do not resolve. Two to break a code gate subroutine and one for plus one strength. So it only starts at strength one, it does pump one to one, but it's two to break a codegate subroutine, and eight to install and two memory. Uh potentially useful in kit in that it can invalidate two ice servers reasonably easily, although the fact that it's got both the downside of being eight to install and two to break Codegate subroutines means that, you know, if you're gonna break a Fairchild three, which is I know it's worst case scenario, but it's also a commonly played piece of ice, you pay four to pump and then six to break. So you've paid like eighteen credits to get through a Fairchild and then the piece of ice behind it potentially not sure that's worth it
1: yeah i mean i think this card is interesting just because i like the idea of an icebreaker that's so strong it like breaks through the next piece of ice as well mm. i think that's cool cool flavor or oh, maybe not flavor but you know let's go with flavor de- yeah. design it's cool yeah but i mean it's not like i'm talking about like you know the how it feels to like run through the net with a mass driver or whatever
0: oh i think that is sort of what you're talking about Okay, well maybe we'll leave that another t- for another time.
1: But I just think um, the numbers on this card are like it doesn't happen that often that you really want your what your single breaker to do that sort of thing. Like it's cool if you know there's a small code gate at the front of a server and then a huge. You Know probably non code gate ne- like next up in the server that in that sort of situation it can be like great, but to pay eight and two memory and to have an icebreaker that's below Gordian strength, Gordian blade strength, and probably like a, only a bit above zoo, actually, it's worse than zoo strength, right? Yep. Yeah you pay so you're paying seven more for that first ability and one more memory basically yeah and it, one extra to break a cogate gates and those are just awful numbers i think so
0: yeah i think so too uh potentially could be a blowout in combination with inversificator if you can go swapping cheap pieces of ice to be in front of their curtain walls right but i feel <laughs> like point, wow.
1: I, I did think of that as well like how it compares to Inversificator, but I think the whole point of Inversificator is that it already does a similar thing at a much more efficient rate. Yeah. And, like, do you really want to... You've already paid 14 credits for your ice and you still can't break anything but a code gate and you've spent three memory.
0: Yeah. Yeah, okay. It's not the best.
1: Um. No, but it is an interesting idea. Like, I think cards like this... Do have some potential, but this that's too situational at this point. Mm.
0: And that, in fact, brings us all the way to the end of the runner cards in this pack. It was a very runner-like pack. We've got a lot of Corp cards to get through next, next week. Uh, so we hope that you'll join us then when we slog through what is actually a really, really interesting Corp side to this pack. Uh, hope you enjoyed our review of Blood and Water Runner Cards. If you want to get in touch with us before the next episode, or even after, you can email us at thewinningagenda at gmail.com. You can check us out on Twitter at winningagenda. You can head along to our Patreon, which is www.patreon.com slash thewinningagenda. If you want to throw a few dollars our way, or if you want to send us an email, you can send us an to, email to thewinningagenda at gmail.com. Did I say that one? Um. I usually start with that one. Maybe I did. I feel like I missed something. Facebook, Twitter email and patreon anyway i'm sure they're all in there uh until next week i've been jesse marshall here with wilfie Harg for the winning agenda we'll see you then yep thanks for listening bye